What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Joe Ciccarelli Show, episode number 29. A quick update on me and what I've been doing the last couple months before I dive into this episode. Uh, You know, I said at the end of this, hey, I, I... I created this episode, I, I created this, this show um, to introduce people to coaching, to help them give them an actual approach to make changes in their life. That's great. That existed. And at the end of season one, I wanted to kind of reevaluate, see where things were at. And uh, if, I, if I'm being completely honest, I also just needed a little bit of a break. Um, I hadn't planned out season one very well. Like It was just kind of like, let's just do this and see what the hell happens. I, and I learned so much from that. Um, taking action is key in life. It really is. And... Um, I learned more from that from that season one about kind of not not just how to I mean I learned a lot about how to you know produce if you will a podcast but also just generally you know um, how to interact with people how to interview people how to do all that sort of stuff I mean I look back I listened to some of my first podcasts and I was like wow I was um, a rookie and um, always an opportunity to get better but it's just been cool to. Um, have been able to do that season one. But at the end, it was like, one, like I'm waking up on Monday mornings with a podcast on Wednesday. What the hell am I going to say? What am I going to do for people? Um, it's going to motivate them and all this stuff. And and um, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, it was getting towards the holidays. And I just needed a break. I needed to figure out what the hell I was doing. And I t- so I, I took some time off and um, kind of rebranded my coaching from just general life coaching to sales performance coaching. Uh, I'm in sales. I love it. I'm all about it. Um, I find that salespeople are pretty highly motivated people into self-development, very similar to me. Um, and I also find that sales doesn't, sales performance coaching isn't just, Hey, I'm in sales. So coach me. Um, it can be, Hey, uh, I'm an owner of a business and I want to do better in sales, or maybe I'm an individual and I know that, um, in order to be more effective in my life, even though my sales isn't my title, I need to better sell my point of view or myself to certain people. So the sales is still pretty broad. I mean, I think over time I'll continue to kind of niche down within sales, but, uh, sales performance is definitely the right step for me. So now here I am kind of rebranding my coaching and I want to rebrand my podcast in a way. And, um, one of the things I wanted to do was just start to create, um, an avenue for me to, um, learn from other people. Uh, and I think I want to open and I really just have conversations with people that are interesting and um, learn from them. And it's amazing. This I was a little bit more strategic this time around. So I've been doing interviews for my podcast over the last uh, couple weeks, maybe three or four weeks. And so I've got all these different interviews. And I was talking to a, a buddy of mine last night and I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, when you seek out people that you're, that are interesting, that have been successful and you talk to them, it's amazing, like how much you learn. And so it's cool to just be able to just record that conversation. It's like, Hey, I want to pick your brain and learn about what made you successful and what you do and how you operate. And, um, let me just hit record while we do it and let other people listen to it. And that's really what this, and I, and I hate to even say this season, cause my goal here really is to just keep this thing going perpetually. Um, and I think I'm going to fine tune it as I go, but I think I got a much better approach this time. So, um, so yeah, I mean the, the focus moving forward here of this podcast is going to be around, um, having discussions with other people about what makes them successful. Um, as you guys know, I'm big into action. I don't like pie in the sky bullshit. Um, yeah, one day I was just successful and as I become better at, which interviewing is a skill. I'm also learned that over the last couple of weeks and I want to continue to push people. And I hope you guys push me to push people to really dive into the details. The devil is in the details and how do we learn about what really makes these people tick and what really makes them successful. And, um, I'll certainly add in whatever I can, uh, as we go. So initially there's no real rhyme or reason here. I think again, as this podcast continues and my branding and um, other stuff within the the coaching world continues, maybe it'll fine tune, but I, I, I love the idea of bringing other people on and having discussions with them. Um, Cause it's just, God, I mean, I walk out of these episodes, uh, we'll walk out of these conversations. I'm like, holy shit, I've learned something. And um, that's really what it's all about. Right. And if you can, and if I can offer that to you, I think that's a pretty good thing. So today's episode is with um, a guy named Spencer Lodge. When I re, um, 
kind of rebranded, if you will, or kind of niched down a little bit in the sales performance space and went on Instagram and I started hashtagging, you know, sales, sales performance, sales coach, just to see what was going on out there, who was out there, who was doing what. And uh, Spencer was one of the first people that came up. So I started following him. Uh, the dude's crazy. He, he, he lives in Dubai and um, I used to live in Dubai, as many of you know. So immediately that, that, that was interesting. He's got a great influence on um, social media. So you can go check him out. I always got YouTube videos. I follow, him and I'm in, I follow him on Instagram. He's always posting cool videos. He has a podcast of his own, which I've actually learned a lot from. He's done some really good interviews. And um, what really kind of set him apart to me is he gets up, just like I do, uh, very early in the morning. And he's always posting videos of himself driving to the gym at like 5 a.m. And just like going off on like you know, get your life, you know, I don't know about get your life together, get your shit together, get out of bed, get your day started, get motivated. And, um, yeah, so I was kind of following him for a while and decided I was going to kind of redo this podcast. I actually reached out to one of his guests to, and, uh, she's on here as well. Um, later on Lisa Johnson, she was really interesting, but anyway, um, I reached out to Spencer and he was completely happy to help, which says a lot about kind of him. And he's a really busy guy. Um, he'll talk about his background, but effectively, he's got a business in Dubai that owns a bunch of other businesses. He's a sales guy, so he made a bunch of money, was really successful doing sales, and then I think tra- sort of transitioned into his own business. On the side, he also offers sales courses. So he does a lot of different stuff. Um, he's a British guy, English guy, so you'll catch the accent right away. And um, we just chat about a bunch of different shit. I mean, I, like I said, I had a bunch of different recordings and some really good ones, but I'm like, and the reason why I want to start with this one is because it was just, we just got all over the place and uh, he's got great energy. He just kind of absolutely kicks off a couple of, couple different times, kind of left me speechless at, speechless at one point, I think. Um, and yeah, we talk about Dubai, we talk about sales, we talk about motivation, we talk about getting to the next level and we talk about talking to yourself. So, um, this has been a hell of an intro, uh, but I hope, uh, I, I, I hope you guys enjoy this and, um, I look forward to your feedback. Spencer, thanks for joining the uh, Joe Ciccarelli show, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to see you, meet you and, uh, share some stories based around us both living in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I have folks that listen from uh, Dubai and a lot from the UK that travel to Dubai. And so you're on the Palm Jumeirah. That's like, and even my friends from the US that know anything about Dubai, they always ask about this palm that's made out of sand that like is man-made island, but it's not an island. So what would you say to people that are like, where the hell do you live? Um, I live on a man-made island made out of sand that's an island, but people don't think it's an island. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I've lived here for 16 years and I've lived on that island for 12 of those 16 years. And so, yeah, it's uh, you get to live on the beach. I mean, Dubai, when it was put together originally, had no real length of waterfront at all. And so, as you know, but the listeners may not, they had to try and create waterfront opportunities for real estate developers. And so Dubai Marina was a great example of that, the largest marina project in the world. And then the Palm Jumeirah, and then you've got the Palm Jebel Ali as well, which has not been done yet, the World Islands. Now we've got the Pearl Island, and there's there's even more with Bulgari and stuff like that. So they're just trying to work out ways of trying to give us more waterfront land so that we can build houses and essentially make money. Dubai's a... Uh, what do they say? Um, Dubai is the greatest marketing marvel in the history of uh, business over the course of the last 50 years. Yeah. How, how would you answer this question? People always ask me, um, so up until the v- value added tax became, um, was in Dubai and that was right when I was leaving. It was about a 5% VAT tax. Before that, there was no tax. They didn't touch your income. You didn't pay tax on anything. Um, how does the Dubai government make money for all this infrastructure um how would you answer that well there's different ways they make money obviously there's vat now but before then whenever you uh, establish a business here you have to pay registration fees on your business every year um also there are taxes for tourists and they built a tourist destination here so if a tourist comes here there's tourism tax uh, just like you have in the states you have you know how much is the room? 150 bucks a night. And then you get there and you check out. So it's 220 bucks. I thought it was 150 bucks. Ah, yeah. Well, you know, there's this tax and that tax and that tax and that tax. So that exists. 
Um, resident permits cost money. Um, renewal of those resident permits cost money. So there's different tools that they use to create wealth. Also, the government um, owns most of the massive organizations here. So when you take companies like Emar and Nikhil and Emirates and Etihad and all the big names that are banded around everywhere, they're all either were completely government owned or are partially government owned now. And there's revenues that they make from those organizations too. Yeah. And so that's the biggest thing that I think is what, at least in America, people find really interesting here are our, our governments. I think it's the same in the UK. They, they regulate, right? Like they set up, they create an environment for businesses and for commerce and um, a safe environment for people to live. And then they step back and let people go at it. Um, in Dubai, they create that environment. They do all that. They step back and they let people go at it, but then they also kind of can, they also go at it as well. Right. And from a, for, for, for profit government kind of way. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business, isn't it? Governments are a business. They make their money from revenues of different sources. Obviously, the oil revenue was very big, still is in Abu Dhabi. You look, look at all of the tax havens around the world. There's nothing really unusual. Singapore was one for many years, not so much anymore. Hong Kong too. Um, and then you go and look at you know the likes of Monaco, which is an even smaller version of here, um, where people want to be because it's tax efficient as people spend their money there. Uh, properties are expensive and rentals are expensive there. And then you take Liechtenstein and Luxembourg and the Channel Islands, for example. It costs you more money mm-hmm. to own property on the Channel Islands if you're a non-resident than if you're a resident. So there's different ways, Bermuda, Caymans, all this kind of stuff. They have they have costs there, but they make it very attractive for commerce to be there. And so you think about, you know, I don't know, let's take an oil company, Halliburton, that's an American company. Halliburton would have to pay taxes somewhere if they were headquartered here in the UAE, then they could probably save themselves a fortune. But the problem with the Middle East is that, particularly for Americans, um, Dubai in particular, is the Middle East is like one city to them for a lot of Americans. It's not It's not really lots of different places and lots of different yeah. different stories. It's just that, well, you live in the Middle East, so that's there. And, and what's the famous thing? Americans only know, Americans only know where places are on the map if they've been to war. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's probably a lot of truth to that. And it's when I first said I was moving to Dubai, one of the questions I got asked a lot is, are you going to get hazard pay? Um, because people thought I was moving to a war zone. And yet Dubai is one of the safest cities in the entire world. I mean, I don't, I didn't lock my door in two years. I could leave my, people don't believe this. I could leave my wallet, my cell phone at the beach on a towel and go for a two mile walk and come back and no one would touch it. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I've never, yeah. I mean, I, I miss that part of it for sure. Yeah, it's nice to have that. I think you take it for granted when you've lived here a long time. So you have to be a little bit more wise when you go back, and whether that's London, New York, Miami, um, all of these big cities have their fair share of trouble. But uh, yeah, we're very lucky here that we don't get it. And we also don't get the freedom of the press here either. And I think that really helps too. So there's no sensationalizing of every minute little story. I mean, you pick up the press at the moment and it's everything Megan and Harry and it's just drama around all of that and you know this COVID drama here they publish the information but they don't publish the information with all the drama which means people don't walk around in fear in the way they're walking around in the UK in fear for example you know what it's so true and <laughs> um it's when I was living there it, there's this sense of like oh my god the government controls everything and this and it's like you know, you feel like oh, it's a dictator. And again, I grew up in the US where we, and even you guys to an extent in the UK, we liberate everyone and make it a free country. And that's great. But it's something about dictatorship has this really bad, I know this is well off what we're going to talk about today, but like a dictatorship has this really bad connotation, right? Like you, we control everything. But if the dictator is a good person and they're trying to actually create a, a good place, it was kind of like, it was kind of nice, right? Like in a way, like you said, you don't have to deal with like, all the media, you don't have to worry about it. You just go there. I, I used to walk down JBR and there'd be people from every walk of life walking by you, right? Someone dressed in like their native Indian and African and, you know, someone in like tight jeans and a tight shirt from France and me wearing, you know, lacrosse shorts and a hoodie or whatever. And no, it, it, like you would never see that in the US and it would be making fun of everyone. And here, every, there, everyone just accepts everyone and it's just that's the way it is well i so. think in, and i won't talk too much about this but i think democracy is a bit of a scam and i think it's like the us and, and the uk are trying to go around the world arguing that democracy is better but if you've 
been born into generations of that not existing and having strong leadership from a dictatorial type of structure and it's worked democracy doesn't work for a lot of people you see in countries in the middle east where they tried to do it they got rid of Hosni Mubarak in Egypt for democracy well that didn't work Tunisia for democracy Libya for democracy but that didn't work either um Syria for democracy again that didn't work either and what you got to understand is that it doesn't work everywhere and not everybody benefits from it in the way that you would imagine and so over here good examples of what happened with the corona I think we were the first country in the world for them to close down schools because it doesn't have to go through parliament or government and white papers mm. be approved and people take a vote. The leader says, shut the schools and the schools shut. The leader says, stay at home and you stay at home. The leader says, wear a mask, you wear a mask. In England, if the leader says wear a mask, everyone walks around going, for fuck's sake, why have I got to wear a mask? Um, or <laughs> bollocks, I'm not staying home. Sod that for a game of soldiers, you know. And it's just, you just... It doesn't help the situation. The reason that we recovered so quickly over here and the reason that we're so vaccinated over here is that we were told what to do. And it's like a small business. It's 10 million people with a bloke in charge. And he's like, do this. And everyone moves very quickly in the US and in the UK and other countries. You're like a big old juggernaut and you're trying to turn it and and it doesn't turn as quickly. A hundred percent. Did you get vaccinated? No, not yet, but I will be vaccinated this weekend, actually. Do you know what happened to me? I went to get wow. vaccinated a few weeks ago, and um, I go to the gym really early, as you'll probably come on to later, but I left the gym, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and get vaccinated today. And I went to this place out to, towards the Rugby 7 Stadium, so I heard there were no queues there. So I bombed out there from uh, 6.15, left, uh, left the gym, got there at 6.45. I'm like, got to be the first one, come on! And I got there, didn't open until <laughs> 9 o'clock. And I was like, no! Oh. So I drove home. <laughs> that is the one downside of Dubai is um, coming from the U.S. When I previously, before I moved to Dubai, where the hell was I living? Um, I was living in Seattle for a little while and I was living in Southern California. Anywhere in the U.S., Starbucks is open at like 5 a.m. And when you go to Dubai, Starbucks opens at either like, they, they, they get started. Now they go later at night, but if you're a morning person, shit doesn't open first thing in the morning. They're, they're definitely a lot slower. And I'm sure for a guy that's posting videos of him hauling ass, working out every morning at 5 a.m., I'm sure you've noticed that. Yes, absolutely. Um, the trouble in America is they try and go out for dinner in the States at 9 p.m. in the evening and everything's closed. It's like 9 p.m. We're all in bed by now. We're reading our Bibles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a different, uh, it's a different dynamic. Um, shit, man, I could talk to you all day about all the Dubai stuff, but I, I guess one last, so what do you, so we're, we painted Dubai out to be this awesome thing. Um, what do you think are some of the downsides of, of that? I mean, and I guess one thing that was interesting, I'm a guy, like I said, my, my, I'm currently in uh, transportation and there's in the Marina, there was a, um, a, a flyway, right? Like there was like a road that was going to be built and they just said, yeah, build it. And they actually built the road right by, um, God, it's right near skydive Dubai actually. And then after building it, they just said, oh, no, never mind. We don't want to do that. So now when I was living there, there was just this massive structure. So there's a sense of it's great that they can act, but it's also like sometimes maybe it's good to sit, sit back and think a little bit. Um, that was my kind of experience. How about you? Yeah, good. Well, the, that, that road has been done now because it leads onto the new riverfront, riverfront area. Oh, it but, does. Um, oh, okay. Okay. A good, a good example of that, maybe a better one. They said, right, national ID cards, so Emirates ID, which you know. National ID cards were being introduced some years ago. And I think it was the 1st or the 2nd of October they announced it. And they said, everyone must have one by Christmas. And it was the 1st of October. And the whole country needed one by Christmas. So there were queues and queues and queues and queues and queues outside post offices and places you can get them. Like queues for miles and miles and miles. And they got to like the 20th of December and whatnot. They went... Yeah, okay, maybe we, that was a bit too short notice. So, uh, yeah, we'll give you another year. So all those people have been queuing for days and hours and hours and hours. Now they've got a whole year more to get it done. And even at the end of that year, they went, okay, we'll give you another year. And so, yeah, sometimes they're a little bit hasty with things, but that's because they're super keen and super eager, and uh, we should uh, remember the good things rather than the, the one or two bad things maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just funny. You know, the grass is always green. On the, when, I, when I was in Dubai, I could not, for reasons that we don't need, I, I was just ready to go. Um, I felt like the government was still figuring a lot of stuff out. And then I left, and now I'm looking back. And I did not, I wish I was back, but you just, whenever you're in something, you don't, you know, yeah, looking at other things, and then you get to something else and you look back, eh, wasn't whatever. So it's, uh, such is life. Um, do you want to give a background on yourself? <laughs> I guess we just we just kind of went off the gun. Um, kind of, you're obviously living in Dubai. You're not from there. We could tell you're maybe from England. Uh, so maybe a quick background on kind of what brought you to today, and then we could dive in a little bit. Well, I you know I'm just a I'm just a kid that learned how to sell when I was young and turned my selling um, approach to financial services and learned the financial services industry at a very young age and was able to create a successful story for myself in that and then went on to build another financial services wealth management and insurance brokerage business and while I was doing that I think that because I'm so passionate about sales I kind of found it frustrating to see how most people struggle in sales and and how they don't take it as seriously as they could and it just to me, selling is really simple. It doesn't seem to me in my head to be a very complicated thing if you just understand the steps you need to take and the tools you need to learn how to use. And so I went off on a mission to create an online e-learning platform to just dumb it down and keep it really simple and give people a really comprehensive way of learning how to sell whatever product or service they offer. And so that's something I got very passionate about in 2017, and that's been uh, a great uh, say a great success uh, it depends what you compare it to but for me it's been successful I feel like I'm banging the drum enough to get uh, enough attention to get enough people to do something and improve the quality and the standards they have and also realize that selling is a skill and it's not something people with the gift of the gab or good chat or that nonsense uh, really believe and so I've done that um, and I had they created a podcast and again that was all about learning the stories of entrepreneurs I got a bit bored with their stories. And then one day a guy came on my show that was on death row for 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. And it just, myself and the audience sat there gobsmacked to listen to this man tell this story beautifully um, and har- in a harrowing sense about what he went through. And it, it was almost a light bulb moment for me when I just realized that I wanted to find out more about real stories from real people that had been, been through real things that they could share with my audience to give people hope and courage and belief and also realize that sometimes maybe their problems are first world problems and not as big as what other people might have gone through. And that led me to interviewing a guy called Leo Logothetis, who is the host of a TV show called The Kindness Diaries on Netflix, which has been a hit TV show. Um, And then further discussions about creating a TV show. And so that now has been discussed, planned and organized. And with a bit of luck, we'll be filming from May. Wow. So what are you going to be, what, what's the TV show going to be about that you're filming? So the, I can't tell you too much, but basically I go on a mission to try and solve some of the bigger problems that we have in the world related to the United Nations and the global sustainability goals. Um, and I go on a mission to try and deal with each one of those goals. And so I'm set a challenge and I have, to, I have to fix those goals with the challenge by finding out the problem and then getting um, an organization to support in that area and just go and shake business owners, really, to give me their money. <laughs> <laughs> so are you um, – so for someone who's done a lot of different things, this is something new for you? Are you excited about it or uh, a, a little nervous? When I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a TV presenter. I don't know why, but I did. And I was told if I didn't have a degree in journalism, I couldn't do it. And so when I was 16 years old, that was all I needed to hear, to be told I couldn't do something. And so I didn't take it any further. And I think because of the content I produce on a consistent basis, because of the podcast, there's there's been people that are talking to me about different stuff. And, you know, when, when I had the opportunity to – put together a pilot episode to create for Netflix and then hopefully get that um, commissioned. Um, it was something I jumped at and I'm very excited about it. Wow. Um, when you were 16 years old, someone told you that you couldn't do the journalism thing and so you believed them. Um, 
you've talked a lot about motivation. I've just, I've read one of your eBooks about fear and um, perseverance and all that sort of stuff. If you were to go back and talk to your 16 year old self after hearing that, what's, what, what would you say? I would say to my 16 year old self, um, what would I say? <sighs> just don't believe the bullshit. Don't believe what people have mm. to say. Don't believe what you hear because you can do anything you set your mind to. And anyone that tells you otherwise doesn't have your best interests at heart. Yeah. I mean, you were 16. It's very normal for a 16-year-old to feel that way. But I feel like that's a massive issue with everyone, right? I mean, everyone just... And if it's not someone else telling them that, it's this voice inside our head telling us that we're, we're that we can't do it and we shouldn't do it and we should play it safe and play it small. And um, I mean, you must see a lot of that stuff come up in the people you talk to and the work you do and stuff like that, right? I mean, just the the idea of fear and playing it small and stuff. And yeah, it's all, it's all about it's all about conditioning. And I think that the way that the way that you can overcome it is by really taking a deep understanding of what the difference between conscious and subconscious is. And I think that if people sit down and really understand what it requires to make a conscious decision and what it requires to make a subconscious decision, then they'll understand that the devil is actually the subconscious, even though it appears to be the angel. So angel and devil on the shoulder, subconscious, what does it want you to do? Lay on the sofa, get the remote control, get some Doritos, slap them on your chest, chomp away and chill out. Because your subconscious doesn't want you to take risks. It wants you to play it safe. And that's what you would think would be the angel. But that's not. That's actually the devil. You playing safe is you blowing your future. You blowing your chances. And so a good example of that is when you wake up in the morning and go to the gym. You know, I wake up at 4.30. I go to the gym at 5. I wake up at 4.30. And I do not want to go to the gym at 4.30. I want to stay under the duvet like everybody else. But I have to go. No. And I have to get out of bed and I have to walk across the corridor to my bathroom and I have to get in the shower straight away to make sure I wake myself up. If I don't do that, if I walk to another bedroom and I lay on another bed, even for two minutes, that's it. It's over. So I have to be very conscious about the decisions I make. And I think that with everything you do, be really self-aware of how your subconscious is affecting you. And every time you... Uh, are in a, in a space or in a moment where your subconscious is in control. So scrolling is a good example of that. That subconscious sit there and just scrolling aimlessly at shit. Okay, that's that's where you need to give yourself a, a you know a check and an understanding. Subconscious is controlling me, and you just count to three. Subconscious is controlling me. Count to three. Stop, and then get focused on something you should do. Another thing that stops people progressing is that they have way too many things to think about. And I think that, that, that what's the old saying? If you chase two rabbits, you catch none. And I think that a lot of people go down the path of thinking they can be entrepreneurs, which is a word I dislike greatly at the moment because people use it even though they don't really know what it means. But they think they can be entrepreneurs and have their fingers in many different pies and succeed. There is a rare genius amongst us that can do that. However, the vast majority of us need to get our head down and focus on one thing and make it successful first before springboarding onto anything else. And I just think a lot of people have got too many things to think about, you know, and it's not just work-related stuff. It's, oh, what car shall I buy? Oh, you know, what clothes shall I wear? What nightclub shall I go to? Um, what restaurant shall I go to? Well, what shall I do this weekend? Where should we go on holiday? Um, uh, you know, let me look for different jobs and see if there's that out there. And it's just like, there's just too much noise. People that are successful have a real laser focus on what they're doing and they get up every day and they're literally laser focused on what they're doing. And, if you can be laser focused on one thing, I think it will help you enormously. Yeah. Um, when you talk about the subconscious versus the conscious, I'm obsessed with that space. Um, do you have any routines? Um, and this is kind of a pointy question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really big into like what I call active meditation, which is a, a form of meditation, but it's really essentially trying to separate yourself from all the shit that goes around so you can actively choose what you want to focus on versus everything choosing for you. Um, so that's a massive part of what I do. Um, do you have any, any routines that, I mean, I, I, that three second count is great, right? Like three seconds, three seconds, but what do you do? Um, 
And why are you smiling when I ask that? Because I've never told anyone what I'm about to tell you. All right. Like, like ever. So I, I do two things. Um, one of them is some people have heard the first thing. So one of them is I use a mirror. So in the bathroom, in the hallway, wherever a mirror may be, okay, and I go and I have a real deep look into my pupils and I talk to myself, but out loud. So I'll say, don't be a dick. Um, you, you're better than that. Don't be stupid. You're going to have a good day today. Don't let yourself down. Don't embarrass anybody. Don't let your mum down. Make your mum proud. Stuff like that, I'll say, but I'll be looking really deeply into my pupils to do that. And then if I'm not near a mirror, okay, or I can find myself getting sucked into something that I shouldn't be sucked into, then I just turn the camera on on my phone. And I won't show you them, but there's many videos of me going, you're a dick. <laughs> and um, I just film myself, <laughs> saying to myself, you're a dick. And um, yeah, and uh, it just it snaps me out of my place. And I think that, I'm really aware of the fact that I can be easily distracted. I don't have a, a, a long attention span. So I don't know, we had a board meeting the other day and then um, everyone on the board of my company knows that they're probably going to get 90 minutes of focus out of me before I need to get up, walk around, go out the room, go and chat to somebody else, come in and then refocus again. Um, and so, so they're all aware of that. So that's what they do. And they, they, whether it's attention deficit disorder, I don't know, but, um, and I think it's a challenge for a lot of people. So just know when you're going into the wrong place, be aware and just change your state and change your state or have a word with yourself. And so this is something that I do. I don't meditate, although I find myself able more and more to, you know, when I come back from the gym, I go for a walk. So I go to the gym for an hour, I drive back to the house and then I walk for an hour. And that walk that I do, occasionally I listen to a podcast, but most of the time I go into, into my own thoughts and I just think, 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 think through mm. and try and put them into different boxes and then know how to deal with them. So um, you get up at 4.30 in the morning, you go work out, then you go walk for an hour. So by about 6.30, 7, you have more self-development and personal development done than probably 98% of the world. And it's, it, there, there's no, and I, I've been on that. I'm not always great. I need to get better. You're a motivating person to me in that sense. But if you get up at 5am and you get rolling, there's nothing like looking at 7am and realizing that half the world hasn't got up yet. And you're just rocking and fucking rolling. Yeah. So the, the exact timing is I wake up at 4.30, I go to the gym at five, I'm, I leave the gym. So I leave my house at five. I'm at the gym at 5.15. I leave the gym at 6.15. I drive back to my house for 6.30. 6.30 to 7.30 is when I walk. 7.30 to 8 is when I shower and get ready for work. And at 8 o'clock, I'm ready. And so that, that's what I, what I pretty much do seven, no, six days a week. Five, the weekend, I have one day off on the weekend. And one day, I go hiking or ride my bike or something, do something different. Yeah, I've seen you do some pretty cool hikes in Rack. Um, okay, so then um, one of the things that you talked about was in order to stay focused is to keep a full diary, right? And for my U.S. friends, that's a schedule, same thing, right? So you keep a full schedule. Um, it's Sunday night for you now. Sunday is the – in Dubai, the weeks run Sunday to Thursday. So it's like your Monday. Um, it's Monday night. It's – what time is it there? It's like 6 or 7? Seven? 7.35. on a Monday night and you're on a podcast with some guy that you don't even know. Um, and we've gotten to know each other, but is that part of that thing? Right? Like, except like when I got your, when I was talking to your um, personal assistant and she was like, he's a villain to do that. I'm like, wow. So is that part of that? Like you got to stay full and focused or else you lose it or. Um, no, number one, I enjoy meeting new people. I get asked to be on podcasts all the time, as you can imagine. And I like to be able to try and bring some value to an audience in some way if I can. Um, and, uh, of an evening, it's very easy of an evening. If you finish your work around, I don't know, let's say six o'clock ish. If you finish, it's very easy to lose the whole evening to Netflix or nonsense. Mm. Um, and so I try not to get caught in that place. You know, I go to bed about 11 o'clock at night, maybe fall asleep 11.30. And so um, I, don't, I don't need to be sat in front of the TV watching nonsense. Or I don't want to lay on the sofa and just scroll with my phone. So I'd rather do productive stuff. And if I wasn't doing this and didn't have that to do, I might even go for another walk of an evening as well. Um, 
but yeah, I need to keep busy. I've got ants in my pants. And so the busier I am, the, the, the more, the more calm I am. Yeah. You only sleep five hours a night. Yeah. Sometimes four and a half, but yeah, yeah, probably five. How do you, God, like, is that, you know, this whole, you need eight hours to function. Clearly that's not the case for you. Have you, have you slept for eight hours before and not noticed a difference? It's not the case for anyone. No one needs eight hours to function. What does Arnold Schwarzenegger say? You only need six hours. If you think you need eight hours, then sleep faster. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but um, no, I don't. I don't believe you need eight hours. And I think that uh, although different people need different things, and there's all these sleep experts, um, I just think you just have to. You, Look, if you, that's one third of your day, eight hours, one third of your day, which is one third of your life asleep. That's one third of your life asleep. So if you live to 90, you've slept for 30 years. It's like, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> that's just I never thought you about it like that. You just lived for 60 years, but then you were a kid, a baby and everything else. And it's just like, and then you take off. If you work eight hours a day and you sleep for eight hours, then in 90 years, you've, you've, slept for 30, worked for 30, been a kid for 20, you've only lived for 10. Wow. It's so funny, man, because I lay, I'm a guy that like, I need my eight. So I'm laying in bed and I like, if I want to get up at five, I'm sitting there staring at the fucking clock and it's like, oh, it's nine o'clock. It's nine fifteen. Shit. I'm below eight. Now I need to reset my alarm. I'm going to think about that though. Do I really? And then, you know, cause there are days where I get five, five hours of sleep, not a lot, but there's days where I get five and if you get up and roll, you no, can still roll with it. So maybe that's a, that's a bluff. Let me, let me, I've lost eight kilos this year. So it's the first time I've you know, beaten the whole diet game. So I learned that going on a diet in January for a week was shit. It was horrible. I hated every minute of it for a week. I was hungry. Um, but I wasn't losing weight, even though I was going to the gym every day before. And I'm like, why am I not losing weight? And maybe it's the cookies on the, you know, uh, before bed or the, whatever it may be, the, the, the snacking, you know, working at home for a long time has caused that. So I, I had to go through some pain to be able to take advantage of it. Now, after a week, you know what? It wasn't so bad. And after two weeks, it wasn't so bad. But that's like those people go to the gym for the first time. The first two or three weeks are awful. And I think what happens is with sleep, people go, I need eight hours sleep. And then they sleep for six hours and they walk around going, oh, I feel like shit. I told you I needed eight hours. You don't. Yeah, Just get, yeah. give it That's a break. You're going to say, go, go for a week. And, 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 then, and if you sleep for eight, sleep for seven for a week. And if it works, then sleep for six and a half and see how it goes. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to spend all my life asleep. And, you know, it's like when I get old, I, I think about old people. You know, when you're really old, do you got to, you got to sleep every night with one eye open in case you don't wake up the next day. It's like <laughs> <laughs> a lot of truth yeah. to that. I bet. Mm. Uh, um, okay. So you've just laid out, well, not just, but you, you were laying out your schedule. And the one thing that popped up to me is like, um, I get up at this time. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. Um, I think a lot of people have great intentions and everyone wants to be a hero on the first day, especially on the new year. I'm going to do this and they do it for a couple of days. And then I think there's two things that happen. One is um, bullshit excuses, which I think everyone knows the answer to that. You, 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 but the, the other one is life happens, right? Like sometimes shit gets in the way, whether it's during a week, you have to do something at 630 in the morning and you can't do your workout. You can't do that. How do you recover and get back on track? Um, when, and how do you accept, how do you deal with that? Cause for me, it's like, I, I, you don't want, I, this is my, I, you don't want to be too rigid in life. Right. And I think that's what I struggled. I was so rigid in to a point where it almost impact my relationship and so not with my wife and not horribly, but it's like, no, I do this at this time. And how, how do you deal with that? So my, my working schedule is what I just told you to start the day, then 10, 12, 2, 4, 6, and 8 typically is when I do meetings. So they're, they're, that's my schedule time for meetings. Um, but I'll give you, you know, I'm a human being. We have curveballs as well. So we sold our house recently um, and we decided to rent a house temporarily before we found another house. And so we, we agreed to rent a house. That fell through this morning and we move out of our house next weekend, which means we've got eight days now to find a new house. Um, and my wife has gone into meltdown and blame and anger mode. 
which means I'm going to have to put a bit of time aside this week to go and view short-term properties that I can get us into, which tied us over for a couple of months before we find the place that we want. And so these things happen. But, um, uh, and, you know, and, and in this case, my wife's accusing me of creating a homeless situation for us, which I find hilarious. <laughs> um, because I sold the house fully furnished as well. And she's like, so we've got no house and no furniture. Thanks, Spence. Um, but, but, <laughs> You know, these, these things happen. You know, there was, I, went, I was hiking at the weekend and the air suspension on one side of my car, uh, my Range Rover dipped. And I was like, what's that? And so I had to take that into the car dealership this morning because they need to fix it. So these things happen, but you, I think you have to prioritize what's important. And if, you know, I always think about um, brand and money-making activities. So what's a brand-building activity? What's a money-making activity? So I focus on that as much as I can. Brand activity, money-making activity, in no particular order. They're both critically important to me, so that they take the precedence. If someone wants to have a coffee and a chat with me about the weather or about a problem they've got or an idea they've got, then that's definitely way down on my list. Um, but content is brand, um, and podcast is brand, and clients is money-making. Okay. Um, so let's let's dive into that a little bit. What a, For someone who's done a hell of a job building a brand – You've got like a company that owns five different companies. You got a nice following. Um, you put out good content, man. I mean, that's what really got me interested in you. I just, uh, I want to start following more salespeople. I went on Instagram. I typed in hashtag sales or sales coach. And there's not a lot out there, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and not a lot of people that create really good content, in my opinion. That's like, you get the guys that go on there and say, you know, here's tip number one, in order to do a sale, start here. And it's like, this is fucking boring, dude. You know, like be yourself, stop being a tool, whatever. So you were someone that really resonated with me. Um, what's, what do most people get wrong when it comes to building content and trying to build a following and all that sort of stuff? I think, I think the people that teach sales are about as popular as pedophile trainers. I don't think anybody wants to learn how to sell. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone gets guys, yeah man, they want to learn how to be a great salesman. They just either go, I'm an introvert, I can't sell, or I hate selling, I don't want to sell. Um it's not it's not something that, that that many people really love the idea of, hence the reason that it's got the reputation it has. Um sure. but I, I think that that I really believe that if you want to get noticed, you have to understand how these platforms work. Um there are such phenomenal examples of people that have been smart around certain content creation opportunities and done some, some most of this stuff really simply. Um, there's a guy called uh, Doctor, uh, sorry, Arash Zad, who's a lawyer in Dubai, and so I taught him to start making content. And he's like, oh, "I don't want to make content. I'm a lawyer. I'm not giving away all my secrets." And I'm like, "Mate, just produce some content and only use TikTok." He's like, "TikTok? That's for kids. That's nonsense." Anyway, lo and behold, Arash makes videos, one-minute videos about the laws in Dubai. He's got 150,000 followers in six months, and 40% of his clients come from TikTok right now, and he's been doing it five minutes. Dr. Julie Smith is a psychologist. Um, she's, she's, she's literally does one-minute videos every day on TikTok. She's got 2.7 million followers on TikTok. You can't get an appointment with Dr. Julie Smith for nine months. Um and there are people out there, and none of these videos are, you know, professional, you know, orchestrated, structured, produced things. It's a, people holding their mobile phone in their hand or resting it on a bookcase and making a video and slapping some text on it and slapping some uh, uh, music in the background. And hey, diddly dee, they've got something. I just think people overthink content. I really do think they overthink content. I think you just have to go to to answerthepublic.com, find out the questions people are asking about your subject and just answer those questions. Seven one-minute videos a week is a one-minute video going out every day. You can repurpose those videos. You can put them onto other channels as well. You can do it on your weekend. Seven one-minute videos will take 90 minutes of your life done and dusted. 90 minutes of your life to produce daily content. 90 minutes a week, sorry to produce and that's what's that one and a half that's three hours a month to produce a month's worth of content it's just so people are full of shit people are full of nonsense full yeah. of bollocks and they're trying to talk their way out of doing anything that's going to help them have a great life and the truth of it is 
most people live in this mire of mediocrity. They just live in this world of hating successful people, looking at themselves and bitching about why they can't have what they wish they could have. But most people just aren't prepared to take the action. And they're full of nonsense excuses that they've sold to themselves. Every day they put on repeat to remind themselves about the excuses so that they can justify why they don't do anything and why everybody else or other people out there are doing better than them. I think Ricky Gervais nailed it when he talked about Brexit. He said the average public was asked to vote on Brexit. He said most of the average public are thick. Let me give you an example. He said on the bottle of bleach, you'll find it says do not drink. On a bottle of bleach, it says do not drink. He said take the label off the bottles of bleach for two years He said, and then ask the average public to vote. He said, because all of the idiots would have drunk the bleach and be dead. (laughs) They'll be gone. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just like most people, and if anyone's listening to this, it's like, I'm really sorry. If you don't like hearing the truth, then you shouldn't listen to this. But it is the truth, and you know it's the truth. And that bullshit nonsense that you keep feeding yourself doesn't serve you, doesn't help you. And if you are listening to this, and maybe you do want a better life, maybe you do want to be better at sales, maybe you are fascinated by sales, and that's, that's the subject matter. But for goodness sake, cut the bullshit, because it's just so damaging to you. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to sit with that for a sec, because there's a lot of power on what you said, and I love it. What... Um, I had all these questions lined up and you really just caught me on that, man. Um, what, what do you think? Why are people so fucking scared? I mean, like you're a hundred percent right. And I'm, it, it, people, it, people are conditioned go ahead. by propaganda. Yeah. You have to understand this. People are being fed information every day. All right. There's, there's half of America and half of the UK that are still worried about getting a disease that's going to kill them. And that's because the facts haven't been delivered to them in a consistent enough form on a regular basis. What has happened is the propaganda, whether that's CNBC, not CNN or BBC or Sky News, whatever it might be, all of these channels field a narrative and they feed that narrative to the public. And that public buy into the sensationalism around stuff because they know that Sky News sells advertising space. All right. They sell advertising. So they make money. And if they make money selling advertising space, then they can send more journalists around the world to report on the real news. And the fact is they have to make it like glorified nonsense so that people get sucked into it. It's like we love a TV show where we get sucked in by the drama of what's going on. If they just reported the news like they did here in Dubai. okay, 10 people died today. Um, there are 16,000 people with the disease, although 15,800 have recovered. Goodbye. If if that was all that was reported, rather than, oh, my God, hospitals are full. And, oh, my God, there was, you know, there was a, there was a story in the news in England where, where uh, two patients were moved from London to Newcastle for treatment. This is about two or three months ago. Hundreds of patients are moved from London to to Newcastle for treatment as hospital beds are full. And so everyone goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, okay, and walks around worried all the time. Now, I'm not trying to say that COVID isn't real. But what I'm trying to say is that when you get fed nonsense, constantly get fed nonsense, you start to believe it. And so then you have a percentage of the population that go, this is nonsense. And the other percentage of the population go, no, it isn't, because my friend Shirley, she said that her friend John, third removed cousin Alan, got COVID and died and gave it and got it from his dog. And, you know, and it's just like, la, 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 nonsense <laughs> goes on. And I just think that, you know, people aren't smart enough to see through it on the whole. They're smart enough to buy into it. And I think that, uh, oh, oh, not smart enough, sorry, dumb enough to buy into it. And, yeah. and you've got to be very clear on understanding facts. And it doesn't mean you sensationalize anything. You just understand facts, cut the nonsense and understand facts and then have an opinion. But then, you know, it, you know the, where does the opinion then gesticulate? It's in the barbershop or the ladies, you know, salon where they sit there and it's 
we call it bitch and stitch. Okay, so they sit there and they they, they they bitch and stitch about stuff. And you know, if I'm offending anybody while I'm saying what's on my mind, I don't care. All right, it's what's on my mind and it's what I've experienced. I really don't care if I offend someone. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. You're not offending me. Okay, well, anyone that might be offended, I don't really care because being offended is, is, is subjective. Me sharing my opinion and my thoughts on a matter is subjective. What offends you might not offend me and vice versa. Okay, so please, if you're offended by my opinion, then uh, you just got to deal with it because it's your problem, not mine. Anyway, moving on. I just think that what we've got to understand here is that the propaganda that's fed to us through the news is making people worry, think about certain things. Corona is one example, and there's a billion others out there that go on every day. The news moves so quickly. And so people are scared because they're fearful of what they're watching through their boxes, through their screens, through their mobile phones. They're fearful. And you know, I was talking to my dad the other day. My dad's 70, he was 76 on the 1st of March. And I'm like, how's it going? He goes, yeah, still social distancing, still haven't touched anyone, been close to anyone. I'm like, dad, it's been a year. He's like, yeah, yeah, for a year now. Not hugged his grandchildren, not hugged his, his daughters or his son. Um, and I feel that's just really sad. He doesn't want to get it. He's 76. I understand that. And so he's a higher risk than most. Um, but people in their 20s, you know, Come this, on. Is, yeah. this, is not, this is just nonsense. It's not real. So I think that people just get scared of everything. They're scared of everything that might be something that could be nothing. And, you know, my, my wife's a great example of it. You know, when Corona first started, I literally had to undress at the front door as I came in. It was almost like I was going to be hosed down with someone in a hazmat suit before I came in the front door. You know, briefcase sanitized, you know, you know, phone sanitized, everything sanitized. And as that slowly went on and on and on and months went by and nothing was happening, they did, Lee I walked through the front door anyway I want now. But, um, yeah, I just think people are scared of stuff that's not real because they hear it on the news and they believe it. Yeah, you put something on your uh, Instagram a while ago. It was just uh, just a, uh, a survey on, like, do you believe what you hear in the news? Yes or no? And it was like, I don't remember the numbers, but when I clicked it, it was like 87% no. And then the next question was, do you watch it? And it was like, yes or no. And maybe the numbers. And then like the next one was like, why? <laughs> you know, or it's like something like that, but it's true, man. I mean, and you have what's even, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm guilty of the U in the U S election. I got too invested. Um, and I wasn't like posting my opinion everywhere, but I cared and I wanted to argue with people and I was just, it was not me. And then after everything settled down it was like, I can't believe I wasted that much energy on something that has really not much impact on my life. I mean, COVID and all this shit, does it really impact us on a day-to-day basis? Who got elected here? Biden got elected in the US. Has it really, has life really changed for the normal person? Yet we flip the fuck out like the world's going to end. And it's like, yeah, I'm just really disappointed in myself. And since then, I haven't touched the news. And it's funny. People are like, did you hear about this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I don't want to hear about this, you know? Um, so, I mean, you're, you're spot on, 100%. I think, I think our lives would be a lot better if we all just turned the news off for two or three weeks and stopped watching uh, 100%. it. 100%. What? Yeah, there's no doubt. Gary Vaynerchuk um, says it so well. Gary Vaynerchuk's like, does it... What is going to change whoever is the president? You, nothing's going to change. Your life yeah. is still going to be the Nothing. same. Yeah. You're still going to fail or succeed based upon the actions you take. You're still going to be more intelligent than the things you study or less intelligent from the things you don't. You're going to grow based upon what time and money you invest in your own personal development. And it's as simple as that. Whether it's Biden, Kamala, Trump, it doesn't make a difference. All it is is propaganda and nonsense. And yeah, will small things change here and there? Yeah. Might America go to war where they weren't somewhere before? Yeah. But really, when they go to war, does it really change anything for you? Okay. And it's like understanding that, that, that things don't really change. You just get on with your lives. And I think that um, if we just, I think if we just, you know, and the conspiracy theories, it's like, what on earth? It's like hours and hours of documentaries about conspiracy theories. Just pointless. Yeah, I mean, it's just a way to it, it, it's a it, it's a it's it's it, it's a way to spend your time, right? I mean, that's all it is. It's a choice to. It's really no different than the Netflix stuff. Um, just a different flavor. Uh, and that's and that's a choice. Um, so I guess looping back a little bit here, you talked about 
you've said two things that kind of, ha- well, you've said a lot of things that have resonated with me clearly because we were going to talk about sales and uh, content and we've spent very little time talking about that because there's so much more interesting shit to talk about, isn't there? But if I were to loop it back a little bit, two things, one was like, and this is not just in this conversation generally, um, hyper-focus, right? Like focus on something. Um, and, and then the other piece was, you know, this whole seven, one minute of video, one minute video, seven times a day. So I guess the question is, if I want to create content, where do you focus? Is it just, you just pick one platform and go with it? Do you, uh, because I can just see, and I'm, I, speaking per- it, it gets overwhelming, right? It's like seven minute video. But if I swear on a video, I can post that on Instagram, but then I need to post something on different on LinkedIn, but TikTok's different. It's, is it just do fucking something and do it for X amount of time and focus on it and then come up, come back up for ear and reassess? No, it's not. It's not. But don't be a donut. Okay. If you're a B2B salesperson, then you need to be on LinkedIn. If you're a B2C salesperson, then in my opinion, you need to be on TikTok. The reach through Instagram and Facebook is really poor, really poor. And so if you want your content to be seen by more people, it's got to be B2B LinkedIn or TikTok for B2C. If you want to spend money on ads to promote your content, then Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, Instagram have a, a, obviously a, a bigger audience and a wider reach. Um, don't be judgmental. My opinion would be don't ever swear. You don't need to swear unless swearing is accepted in your industry and by your clients. Um, and remember, you only need to come up with 10 questions, sorry, seven questions that you need to answer per week. So go to answerthepublic.com, type in your industry, yeah, uh, and, and lit answers, uh, answerthepublic.com. Okay, it's free. Go in there, type in hairdressing, barbers, I don't know, content creation, what questions around your industry. If your industry, if you're in B2B office equipment sales, then type it in, okay? And what you'll find is the questions that people are asking on Google around that subject matter. And so then you've got easily every single week, you you, you can pull 30 of them off and go and film 31 minute videos one day, or you can do seven per week, seven one minute videos. You don't need to do them any longer. This is the question. And the question can either be in type above your head, or you can say, I got asked this question the other day, blah, 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 blah. This is what my opinion is on the answer. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. There you go. There's your one minute video. Bosh, done. Okay. Another thing that you can do on LinkedIn You don't have to make videos all the time for LinkedIn. The written word is very powerful as well. But remember, when you do a LinkedIn post, it's not going to be war and peace. It's got to be short and concise, but always ask a question. Always ask a question so you get engagement. I might offend people with what I'm about to say, but I believe that everybody that supports the Washington Redskins is an idiot. Okay, so what's your thoughts on that, for example? And then you'll gauge opinion, you'll gauge thought, you're, you're encouraging people to comment. So try and get people to comment. And then when they comment, respond professionally, politely, uh, constructively, objectively, if you want to, to create further content. When you produce something on LinkedIn, you have the golden hour, which starts straight after you produce it. LinkedIn are watching for the first hour to see who engages. It's important you're around when that first hour of content, that content goes up for the first hour. TikTok's organic reach is insane and off the charts. And for every person, if I had a penny for everyone that told me TikTok's for kids, I mean, I have lots of pennies because I've got lawyers (laughs) producing content and absolutely smashing it. I've got psychiatrists, psychologists, chiropractors. Are they Charlie D'Amelio? No, they're not. But you don't need to be Charlie D'Amelio to be smashing it. All right. What you want is a full diary of prospects coming to you. Now, then there's alternatively, there is TikTok. Uh, not TikTok, sorry, there is Clubhouse. And Clubhouse is, is a new app. It's only on iPhone right now. And the difference between Clubhouse is it's just audio. Be careful not to go in the big rooms. Um, in my opinion, start your own rooms, small rooms, have groups of 20 or 30 people and one or two moderators. So then you've got essentially one or two people answering questions that are given from 30 people. Record it. Use that content. You literally can record that and use that content. Um, if you go into the big rooms, then what happens is everyone's trying to chime in to answer questions. And it becomes and also there's a lot of people out there that aren't, aren't an expert in what they do, that are given the expert opinion, that, that that really gets on my tits. I want people to be professionals at what they do, giving professional answers that have demonstrated that they're successful of their industry. There's a girl called Lauren Tickner. She's exceptionally talented, very gifted, very knowledgeable. She knows her subject matter. And so 
we're look out for the people that know their people know, know their subject and um, if you want to learn how to develop a TikTok room, Ashley Simpson does a great job of teaching you how to do that. Um, and I think that, not TikTok room, sorry, uh, uh, Clubhouse room. Clubhouse. But like with all of these things, I, I say to people, they ask me a question, how do I do that? I'm like, yeah, it's a great website you can go to. Just write it down. And they're like, yep. Yeah. And I'm like, Y-O-U, they're like, yeah, T-U-B-E.com. Write that down. They're like, oh, YouTube. I'm like, yeah, then write the question in YouTube and watch a video because you'll get the answer. Yeah, 100%. Wow. Okay. Um, I started to take notes. I'm like, I'll just re-listen to this because we're recording this. That's a lot of – that's a that's a punch packed of value, man, um, in about two minutes. Uh, I want to bring you – I guess I, I have one organic question from that. Um, it just seems like everyone thinks the first thing I need to do is build a uh, an Instagram following. And if you're in the B2C game, you're trying to, you, you would say, if you were starting over today and you were just trying to get clients, you were trying to fill your schedule, your diary, you would go 100%. If you're B2C, you just, you wouldn't even give a shit about Instagram. You'd just focus on, um, at least to start, right? You would focus on, um, you, you believe that strongly, huh? That's that's yeah, that's it's, really it's interesting. interesting. If, I was, if I was starting with no followers, no engagement, no nothing today, I was B two C. I'd go he- heavy on TikTok. If I was B two B, I'd go heavy on LinkedIn. Um, I and, and I'd commit to to spending a couple of hours a day in those places, um, DMing people, outbound reaching people, engaging with people, going into all the people that I want to do business with, going into their feeds and looking at their stories and looking at their comments and looking at their posts. And literally going in there and engaging with them. Because if you if you go into, let's say you came into my posts and I'm uh, and every post I did for the next two weeks, you commented on. Could be positive, could be negative, but you gave a comment. And at the end of that comment, you asked a question. Trust me, within two weeks, I'd know exactly who you were. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what you want. Very true. You want you want me to know exactly who you are. So to go in there, challenge me, ask a question. I'm going to engage, and then I tell people like I do in Clubhouse. I'm like, if you want me to answer a question, send me a voice note on Insta, and I'll respond to it for you. And um, and, and I always try and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you hit me back with a voice, and I thought that was really cool. Um, okay, one other question. Um, you did a post short video on um, Instagram though about hiring someone a while back. You were like, Hey, I'm looking to hire someone you can make. I think it was like 300 K a year. Um, send me a short video to tell me why you're a good candidate. How did that work out? Really? And, and if you're, if, if you're not on video, it was a thumbs, it was a thumbs up sign. Um, Cause if, if you're listening well, to audio, it worked out great. So I had loads of people respond, but I didn't get any videos. So I'm not talking to you unless you give me a video. Really? So is that your, is that like your recruiting method now? I mean, is that, or is it just a, a component of it? Okay. So we have this thing called Corona, which means millions of people lost their jobs. Okay. You've got a bloke here that's got a proven track record of building successful companies. Okay. And he's looking to employ people. His request is if you would like to earn $300,000 a year. Okay. Send me a short video introducing yourself and explaining why. And no one sent you a video? Oh, loads of people sent me messages, but no one sent me a video. I didn't respond to any message. I got, I don't know, 200 messages. Just ignored them all. All right. Well, maybe I'll send you a video this afternoon. (laughs) People were like, what what should I I say on the video? Um, And I've already explained it. if, If you have to ask me, I've never done a video before. Um, uh, maybe I'll get one done tomorrow. Or um, uh, how long should the video be? Uh, 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 can, it, can it just be audio, not video? Because I don't like the look of my hair or whatever it is. I'm just like, I'm not interested. If you if you cannot send me a video of one or two or three minutes saying, hi, this is my name. This is what I do. This is my background. This is why I think I'd be valuable for your organization. This is the research I've done on you. You don't deserve it. Yeah, you don't deserve it. And that comes back to most people being very average and living a very mediocre life. It, it comes back to every single thing. I mean, that is proof of everything that we've discussed today, right? Like, I guess that it's interesting because as we kind of round down here, that's like, hey, you guys want proof? Here's proof. Uh, you're, like you said, uh, and I love the word bloke because uh, in America, we don't use it, but 
it's a bloke, uh, a guy, uh, a very successful guy saying, I'm going to give you money. Uh, not, uh, sorry, I'm going to give you an opportunity to earn a lot of money. Um, all you got to do is X. And people are saying, yeah, here's all the reasons why it won't work. Here's all the reasons why I can't do it. Um, so look, man, I scheduled an hour of your time uh, and we're about at that. So um, I want to give you, I mean, uh, one, if you're listening to this, and you're not getting on Instagram um, or TikTok or wherever to follow you after this, you're fucking crazy. Can you tell people how to do that though? How, how they can find you? Yeah. I mean, if you want to go to Spencer.Lodge on Insta, you can follow me there. If you want to go to LinkedIn, I'm Spencer Lodge on LinkedIn. You can, you can connect with me there. I'll gladly, um, you know, there's loads of stuff, loads of content there. Um, that yeah. might be of value to you. And if not, go to my website, spencerlodge.tv if you want. And um, for all of your audience, if you hit me up on Insta, no, if you hit me up on um, LinkedIn, connect with me, all of the people listening to this right now, and you mentioned Joe, okay, that you heard me on his podcast, and you send me your email address when you connect with me, I'll send you a free digital copy of my book, Future Read. Okay, cool. I'm going to ping you on that too. Um, the other thing I would recommend is you have on your website, you can just put in your email and you give like access to like nine or 10 eBooks. And for someone who has a short attention span, like I think everyone in the world does nowadays, they're great quick reads. You can like, they're, you know, they're like nine pages, but it's mostly like white space. And, um, I read those, um, and I was going through them this morning before our interview and it actually got me jacked up for the interview. I'm like, this is, I'm ready to fucking go. Um, so great stuff there too. I, I would recommend if, if, if you're looking for that, um, anything else from you, man, before we cut this thing down? Go listen to my podcast and let me know what you think of it. That would be really great. There's some, there's some incredible stories of courage, um, incredible stories of people that have been through things 10 times worse than any of us listening to this can imagine from a lady when she was six years old in Belgium being pimped by a mum into a pedophile yeah. ring and how she overcame that to a guy I just interviewed a few days ago that was in Ecuador in prison for 10 years and the harrowing stories around that to um, a guy called Larry Lawton, who was uh, the biggest diamond thief in America. Um, and he actually, he was actually in uh, Tampa and he stole jewelry for $600,000 worth of diamonds. And I'm like, why did you all steal diamonds? He's like, have you ever tried to carry $18 million in a briefcase? <laughs> he said, <laughs> but he's a, he's a great guy. Got great stories of people that have done things, but people that have overcome incredible stuff, like overcome incredible stuff. And I hope they give you hope and inspire you and help you realize that life might not be as bad as you think it is. And you can go on and do anything you set your mind to. You just need to take the first step.